you just want a little bit more of the Patricks in your life. We understand how it is. Lawrence goes downfield. The catch is made. Tua goes deep for Waddle. Got him in stride. Touchdown, Alabama. Pat's interference. Jalen Hurts solidified himself. He will go down as probably one of my favorite players of all time. There are two kings of college football, but one of them's wearing the crown. Alabama's offensive coordinator position has become just like the defense against the dark arts position at Hogwarts. Don't you find it kind of shocking we haven't been taken off iTunes yet? Hey everyone, Christian Miller here, former Alabama linebacker number 47, and you're listening to Pat's Interference. Howdy, ladies and gentlemen. This is year five, episode two of Pat's Interference, your favorite college football podcast. We're here with a big old college football preview, so I hope you're ready for it. We go over all the Power Five conferences, a little bit of a group of five, then we're going to talk about our playoff prediction, Heisman predictions, and more. Ladies and gents, we're six days away from college football season. My name is Patrick Norwood. I am the uh, lesser half of this podcast. I'm joined by my beautiful friend and stare at Alabama, Patrick Brickman. Sir, how are you? We're 10 seconds into this thing. I'm already blushing. How are you doing, man? I'm great. I'm great. Sitting here in Durham, North Carolina, just doing a little wedding planning today, you know? Ooh, yeah, that's right. We announced last week that you got engaged to the lovely Jade Stoner, and I understand that she is in-house today. She, she is in-house today. She's working hard on, uh, we're, we're doing we're doing something a little different with our, with our tables. We're not numbering them. We're going to do something a little special that, that you'll see, actually, because you're in my wedding. Because I'll be there. Because you're one of my best friends in the whole world. Whole world. Whole world, baby. If you do not know, this is a college football podcast. Like I said, we are in our fifth year. We are on social media. We're going to go ahead and get this out of the way because it's my least favorite part every week. We are on Twitter at BI underscore podcast on Facebook at Pat's Interference. That's P-A-T apostrophe S Interference. Or you can go to our website at patsinterference.com. We are on SoundCloud, iTunes, not Spotify because they suck. But we're pretty much everywhere else that you'd want to listen. And honestly, why would you ever go to Spotify for anything? Yeah, exactly, except I use it every day. Yeah, me too. I really, I really love it, and I'm quite bummed out we're not there. But welcome. It's going to be a big episode. We're really, really excited about it. Um, let's just go ahead and get right into it. You want to? Yeah, so what we're doing today is really, I mean, we're, like you said, six days away from college football. So normally we do this a little earlier, but with the week zero thing, uh, this year it's kind of, you know, made everything move a little faster. So we're doing our, I mean, this is the big one. This is the preview. This is the episode we look forward to the most every year, other than, you know, potentially in, you know, an Alabama winning the championship wrap-up episode, but whatever. Yeah, I mean, those are, those are always fun. Yeah, but, you know, didn't happen last year. So this Not is the one we get to look forward to. Yes, this is it. This is it. Uh, we're going to move right in. We're going, look at how you did the docket alphabetical order. Oh, I already so know what I'm doing. We're going conference by conference today. Uh, so ACC, do we need to go over this? I, <laughs> like, I hate to be that guy, but it's Clemson and everyone else, right? Yes, and what sucks about talk, it's hard to do this preview as quickly as we're going to do it, but, you know, there are a lot of teams in the ACC. There are some good teams, but Clemson is, I mean, you can't even hear the word ACC football right now without looking and thinking about Clemson. I mean, FSU's yeah. become such an afterthought. Miami is doing whatever Miami's doing. Virginia Tech yeah. hasn't been good. Virginia, so Virginia. Pitt went to the conference championship last year. Did you see the story that came out about Virginia Tech last week? No. They had 22 guys leave the program, right? Uh 22 in this offseason. 
part of that report was SI did a story on this. They had guys in the locker room who were saying, yo, just don't try in the bowl game. Just don't try. We're threatening people like you better not score a touchdown. I Do will you fight you this? if you score a touchdown. Do you hate doing this? Do you? That's what it sounds yeah. like. That's exactly what it sounds like. And it was it was uh hostile. It was it was quite volatile and quite hostile in that locker room after that game where they then found out they had ended up making a bowl game. Uh, so th- all of those guys who were part of that were gone. The article was all about where does Virginia Tech go from here. That being said, I predict them to maybe have seven wins this season. It's going to be a really tough year for them. Yeah, uh, there's not much going on in Blacksburg. You had a Clemson-Pitt ACC championship in the rain. Uh, I don't think it gets much worse than that as far as uh, as far as conference championships are concerned. Uh, Clemson went on and absolutely wrecked Pitt. Um but you know, Pitt, that for what they were supposed to do last season, that's a pretty good year. Yeah, no, good job right? for Pitt. Good job for Syracuse last year. My, you know, like we said, FSU, it can't get much worse. Um, people talk about Virginia Tech like they're you know a good team this year, but none of that even none of it matters if we're previewing the ACC and who's going to win and the, the contenders because we're talking on a national stage. We're not. This isn't an ACC podcast. You know, this is... We do need to correct an error, though. Sure. Last week in our episode, about, I'd say, 11 or 12 minutes in, we talked about Miami, and we mentioned the name Tate Martell, uh, and we said, oh, well, he's definitely probably going to be the starter at Miami, right? Oh, and yeah, then the, the next day. The next the day. Next day uh, it was announced that he had lost the starting job. He tore up his locker room. He did not go to practice on Monday. I didn't hear anything else from the rest of the week. He's back. I, he, he's back. He's playing I'd wide be, receiver right now. I'd be fair. You're kidding me. I'm not kidding you. Oh, good night. Yeah, Google, so he's done. Google Tate Martell, wide receiver. He was practicing there the, at least the second half of the week. That is, I don't want to say it's shocking, but that is, uh, I didn't think he'd be back in a Miami uniform. Oh, wow. I didn't either. I don't think anybody did. And honestly, I wouldn't be surprised. Well, has he? he's already redshirted, so no. Um, no, he's, he's, I mean, that's it. That's it. Like it's, it's easy. He's either a wide receiver and hope somebody gets hurt or he doesn't play football. But we're 99.9% sure he's gone after this year, right? I, he'd have to be. Could he get another waiver that I, you know, it's just that, that's I a, mean, yeah, that's a discussion. He's like handed him out like hotcakes last I, year. I know. And that's a discussion we need to have one day. Cause it's, we do. It's a little ridiculous, but you're absolutely right. So anyway, let me ask you this. Is there anything looking at Clemson's schedule? That you see that may pose as a threat. In their conference? Yes. You know, last year they they struggled with Syracuse. Strug- I use the word struggle sort of lightly. They they fumbled their way through Syracuse because their quarterback was hurt. And um, we didn't, you know, Trevor Lawrence was hurt and Kelly Bryant had already left. Aside from Trevor Lawrence and a few other guys getting hurt, which we can't predict... Provided they stay healthy, no, not. I mean, no, I, I really I, don't. It's really going to take a, a serious injury. Now they did have Pinkney go out last week. He's done for the year, um, which is a, a big loss. But again, for Clemson right now, they're on the same sort of flight path as Alabama, where it's just kind of next man up, you know. Uh, so it, I think their biggest threats this year are. See if this sounds familiar. Uh, Syracuse. Uh, they play them on the road. And then you maybe could make an argument that they'll struggle in Raleigh against NC State. 
Sure. But that NC State team really has to play a great game for that to happen. But that's a weird stadium to play in for Clemson. Sure, and uh, and they've they've struggled there before. A couple years ago, they two or three years ago, they had to have a game winning field goal to well miss. They missed the NC State missed the field goal, and then Clemson beat them in OT. Yeah. I think another hope. Yeah. I think another hope, and it's it's a wing and a prayer is that you know somebody like Manny Diaz or or Willie Taggart can turn this thing around at their pro- programs within the next year or two just so that the ACC doesn't seem so boring. Yes, so it's not so lopsided. I think Clemson's really big test this year is going to come in week two, and I think that favors them a lot because guess what? They've got a Thursday night game before that when they play Texas A&M at home. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, think, uh, I, I think Clemson's really going to skate through the schedule uh, the ACC is obviously theirs to lose, and I think that's all we really need to say about that, right? Yeah, barring injury, Clemson is as much of a shoe in as there's ever been in the playoff era, in my opinion. Do we even? Do you want to pick a coastal champion? I mean, it's it's such a well, yes, jump I do. Ball. I want us to Go pick one it. just because, you know, it's fun to throw a throw at a dartboard. Sure, darts are fun, so let's let's throw our darts. Okay, throw your dart. Who's who's your dart? My dart this season. See, and this is what I'm looking at the coastal right now: Georgia Tech, Pittsburgh, Miami, UNC, Duke, Virginia, Virginia Tech. Screw it. I'll go Virginia. They've got a good okay. quarter, goodish quarterback. They've got a really, really good corner that's probably going to go first round, and it's a revolving door in the coastal as to who gets in. And I mean, Duke snuck in a few years ago, so I'm going to go Virginia. Yeah. Okay. I think that's a. I think that's a fine answer. I think Virginia's uh, biggest test this season is going to come probably the last game of the year when they play Virginia Tech, and they're going to try and get over that hurdle. But it's like we talk about. We talked about. I should say with Michigan now the past few years. You know, it's it's one of those things where can they get past the hump of looking past. You know, the last looking down the barrel, I should say, the last 13, 14, 15 some odd years of not beating Virginia Tech. Now, they do get them at home this year, uh, but, you know, Virginia Tech on their probably their worst season since you and I have been alive last season still beat them because Virginia could not recover a fumble that would have resulted in a touchback. I remember that now. Into the end zone, and they lost. Uh, they do play Notre Dame on the road. I forgot about that game, and they have to go to Miami. Uh, so that leaves some question marks. I don't, I don't love Virginia in this division, but again, it's like you said. It's look at the rest of the lineup. Who are you gonna? Who are you gonna say? Oh well, they definitely have the edge in this division. Yeah, the, the team that sneaks in could have like four losses. Like it's not. Yeah. It's exactly, exactly. Because you look at him, Duke, no. Duke just lost what apparently is a very good quarterback. I watched him play live. I didn't really think so. Uh, you've got Georgia Tech, who's instituting a new offense. You've got Miami, who just named a quarterback the other day. I think they're probably my pick, but I'm not exactly thrilled about it, right? And you've when got, Miami gets there, it's going to be a 31-3 to beatdown. Yes, and you've got uh, North Carolina, who just brought in Mac Brown, and they've started to turn things around but at the same time it's north carolina too early they lost a lot of pieces from last year and they weren't that great last year they won yeah. two games last year it's tough it's tough to be a non-clemson especially because uh, the acc's you know uh, normally really the acc's never been 
the must-see TV conference. And this is coming from a former FSU fan. But FSU dominated for 14 years. So they added, you know, uh, Virginia Tech and Miami. And then Miami decided they didn't want to be a contender anymore. And it's always sort of been one dominant team with their thumb over the rest of the conference. And since yeah. Jameis Winston left FSU, Clemson stepped up. And, it, yeah. you know, it, it hasn't – I mean, Clemson's lost games. They lost, they lost to Pitt a couple years ago. They lost to, uh, I don't know, a couple other teams here and there. But it's not, it's not competitive. No, and then, no, it's you know. not. It's like I said, it's Clemson's to lose. The Coastal is a toss up. I'm going Miami. You are going to go Virginia. Yeah, I mean, sure. And then that's just a sacrifice at the end of the season. Um, so we'll move on. We'll go to the Big Ten. Now, the Big Ten was part of my bold prediction last week, so I've kind of already ruined this surprise. But I think you and I might uh, might have some similar thoughts on this. I want to get your thought first as to who you think could win this conference. Well, I think top to bottom, the Big Ten is is the most competitive conference out there. Um, it has the most potential, in my opinion, winners. I look, just going down the list, I think Wisconsin has a shot, but really more realistically, you've got Ohio State, you've got Penn State, you've got Michigan. And I even think that they have a dark horse in there. But And that would be Nebraska, and we can talk about Nebraska or not talk about Nebraska. I just... I think they have a better season than people are anticipating. Um, that's five teams. Yeah. Purdue beat Ohio State last year. And I mean, returns their star player from that game. Right. So it's a very competitive conference. What does it come I, down to? It probably comes down to the last week in Ann Arbor, Michigan, Ohio State. Probably as it has in the last you know, few years. A couple Penn State wins in there have ruined that. But... You see what I'm saying? Yes. Yeah, Penn State and Michigan State have both played uh, the role of spoiler across the past decade with that. Um, I, I I do agree with you. I think top to bottom, this is probably the most competitive conference um, preseason. Now, obviously, things change. Purdue could wind up losing five of their first six or something ridiculous like that. Um, Nebraska could you know, kind of fall off the wayside. We saw Wisconsin completely fall apart last year after the loss to BYU in, what was that, week three? Week two, week three? So, you know, nothing's really set in stone, but I think right now, preseason, this is the most competitive conference top to bottom. Oh, You could make a case, like you said, for the following teams. Ohio State, I think even Michigan State, Michigan, Penn State, uh, Purdue, Wisconsin, and Nebraska. Yeah, I, I really am that high on Purdue this year, by the way. And and the thing um, is, and the thing is, it, it isn't even hard to see. Let, okay, let's let's say Michigan, as you as you believe, is a um is a top five team this year. It's still not even hard or shocking to hear that. Yeah, but you know, I I could on any given week I could see them you know losing to Michigan State, losing just. It's the in my head. It's the easiest conference to leave out of the playoff, out of the top five, because I think even the best teams in the conference might lose two games. You're you're talking about the Big Ten. Yes. You think it's the easiest to leave out of the playoff? Only because by the end of it, we might have every team in that conference with two losses. I'm not leaving them out of the playoff. I'm not. But the path to leaving a team out 
is really easy to believe for me because I could see Michigan and Ohio State, all, all the teams having two losses or more. I, I understand. You 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 are taking it more as an implosion standpoint rather than a talent standpoint. Yeah, I mean, you know the old, the old adage that people say like, oh, they just beat each other up in that conference. Yeah. I actually believe that about the Big Ten. Yes. I, I, be, I believe that in this conference this year. Traditionally, I do not. Traditionally, I think a lot of these teams are overrated. And I think that a lot of been Big Ten folk who you and I are friends with, a ton of them, a ton of them, talk very highly about a conference that hosts Rutgers, Maryland, Indiana, Illinois, and I'm sorry, Northwestern, but I'm going to throw you in there too, wow. who don't really ever do anything. Minnesota's exciting at least because they've got P.J. Fleck, but they win as often as those other teams I just mentioned. This year, all of those teams are not good, but they're better except Rutgers, which is basically just a third-world country at this point. Uh, and honestly, I think yeah, what, go ahead. What a disappointment Rutgers me, has been since they you know, added them. But Just awful. Just awful. But anyway, so let's, let's go ahead and talk it out then. Who is your winner from each division? And then I want you to give me your Big Ten champion. I will. I will do it right now. Um, as we said, this is a... It, it feels like it comes down to Michigan, Ohio State, and that's a tough thing because, you know, I don't want to boil the whole conference down to one game because, you know what, Penn State, Michigan, Penn State, Ohio State, Michigan State, Michigan, all those are huge games. This conference has more huge games game. than any other conference. The ones that really, really, really feel important to the way everything's going to unfold moving forward. But with that said, I, I'll, I've got I've got Wisconsin winning the West. Um. I couldn't tell you a ton about Wisconsin outside of Jonathan Taylor and then their stereotypes. You know, just the way Wisconsin plays football. I like Barry Alvarez. I like I like that team. Sorry, not Barry Alvarez. Um, Christ. I don't know where Barry Alvarez came from, how my mind wandered there. But I love the head coach. And then in the East, as I said, it does sort of feel like Penn State's the third team out. So Ohio State, Michigan, it's in Ann Arbor this year. We kind of talked about this last week. You're going to have Fields versus Patterson. How good do I think Fields can be? Really good, by the way. Um, Heisman contender good. But Ann Arbor, John Harbaugh's finally the better head coach in that game. As we, as we, at least yep. we think. We don't really know what Ryan Day has, but preseason, John Harbaugh's the better coach. Jim. Jim? <laughs> John. Jim Harbaugh. Barry Alvarez and John Harbaugh. Thank you for You're coming. doing great, buddy. Yeah. Woo! This is great execution here. I'm gonna close I'm gonna close it strong yeah. though. Bring in the closer. Because it's in Ann Arbor, because Michigan has an experienced quarterback coming back, because Michigan has more experience coming back as a whole. And because Ohio State's overgoing so much of a turnover as far as their head coach is concerned, I will, I'm going to step out on the same limb as you this year. This is the year that Michigan does the thing and beats Ohio State. All right. And there if they go. don't, if they don't, if they don't, we have egg on our face. And, of course, clearly everybody cares about that. It's, you, you do start talking about, all right, how much longer are we going to keep paying Jim Harbaugh like he's Nick Saban? Yes. And then I can this never pre- win, I can win, never win. predict a Michigan win again. But I'm going there. I'm going Michigan winning this year. Yeah, this is a win-win for us cuz honestly we've never been high on Michigan and if they ruin it this year, 
the year that we pick them, this is the year we get to say, I told you so. Right. Uh, I'm going to give the nod to Michigan, like I said, uh, but I'm going to take it from a different perspective. Uh, I'm going to talk about Ohio State a little bit. Listen to this schedule. Florida Atlantic at home. Cincinnati at home. Both of those games should be wins, although I could see a Cincinnati upset. Cincinnati's secretly decent this year. They're they're not bad. You've got Indiana on the road, win. Miami of Ohio at home, win. September 28th, you go to Nebraska. Okay? You come home, you play Michigan State. You go to Northwestern, where weird crap happens all the time. You get Wisconsin the next game. Then you get two games off with Maryland and Rutgers. Then you got Penn State at home, and then you go to Ann Arbor. If you're telling me from September 28th to November 30th that they're only going to lose one game or no games, I don't think I can believe you. I, I truly don't. I, I'm not thrilled with Penn State this year. I'm not super high on them, but I love them in the role of spoiler for Ohio State this year. Yeah, that's um, a good point. I think that program is really going to suffer without urban meyer as weird as that sounds i i just i don't i don't think that i don't think that sounds weird at all i mean the last time they didn't have urban meyer they went six and seven and you look at what happened to florida when urban meyer i don't think that's weird to say i think it's expected it's it's just i a lot of people are still high on them because of the talent they still get at that program well sometimes bodies just don't do it doesn't matter how many four and five star guys you've got if you don't have a guy you can't lead now that's not saying anything against ryan day I I don't I've not really seen him in a coaching capacity. I don't really know how he does um, as a leader, but you know I'm I'm very very interested to see how the beginning of their season goes, especially that first big matchup September 28th against Nebraska. If they lose to Cincinnati at home that September game, that'll play the role of spoiler like Purdue did last year and Iowa did two years ago. That's oh, just that's yeah that's. Just, basic facts that's a snowball effect Um, at that point yes exactly then you look at the big 10 west what's what's more difficult to pick the acc coastal or the big 10 west coastal i I, agree but not by much i I, Uh, we know wisconsin we know what wisconsin can and probably will be and i in my opinion nebraska is just it's another wild card we I really like Scott Frost as a coach. I think he's going to have Nebraska competing in the West with Wisconsin this year. And, um, you know, ball bounces the right way a couple what about times. Minnesota? We start talking about what Nebraska about Minnesota being. Minnesota with PJ Fleck? No. No? I mean, I love, I love PJ Fleck, but no, not, admit, not Minnesota. My, my argument for that is people point to Nebraska and they're like, oh, Nebraska could be great this year. Why? Why? Show, show me what skill position players they have or what guys that are coming back that you're super high on. I really like Adrian Martinez. Okay, and that's fine. And I like but, the coaching. Really, I like the coaching and the culture change. And I'm not and, saying Nebraska okay, is going that, to be a great team, right? I'm not saying great. Yeah. I'm saying we'll see how could, they progress. We'll see how they progress as a team. And all they have to do is be better than Wisconsin on one Saturday night during the season. I, I, th- I think that they need to worry about Purdue and Iowa uh, and Minnesota as much as Wisconsin. Sure. I, I would agree with that. But, but my, I think they're in a position to win those games I, now. I, I agree with you. I think that uh, 
I think that you're right with the culture change and everything about Nebraska. But my argument is, why is everyone not saying the same about Minnesota then? P.J. Fleck was the guy a couple years ago. Remember, he took Wisconsin to the wire with Western Michigan. Went to Minnesota. Everybody was all high on the culture change and the recruiting and the guys he's going to bring in uh, and the coaching staff he's going to bring with him. And then it's just kind of plateaued. It's just never really gone anywhere yet. So why are we giving Scott Frost this huge benefit of the doubt? Because he did it at UCF? Okay, well, uh, UCF is a little bit of an easier recruiting pool than Western Michigan. True. So I don't, I don't know. That's, I, I'll get off my soapbox, but I just think it's funny that people give Scott Frost so much credit for having done as much, if not less, than P.J. Fleck in Minnesota. I think Last that's a fair year, point. he put in a kid I grew up with at quarterback. <laughs> the kid lived next door to me, and he completely let go of the game. They just didn't have it. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, I just I think it's funny, but I, I, I like your pick with Wisconsin and the West. I'll go there, too. Uh, but I think there's a lot of teams in there that could play the role of spoiler uh, for Wisconsin or Nebraska. Yeah. So we'll move on. Uh, another uh, sort of what I think is going to be a two-horse race, kind of like the Big Ten, uh, the Big 12. Those two teams, Oklahoma and their team that they love so much right across the river, Texas. Uh, you've got a good storyline with Oklahoma. He's part of the intro, Jalen Hurts. Transferring really seems to be fitting in with the culture, seems to make, be making strides. Hasn't been named the starter yet. Lincoln Riley still says it's an open competition as of last, I believe that was Tuesday or Wednesday that came out. May just be saying that to try and keep his guys motivated, keep them competitive. Yeah, I mean, uh, Kyler, Kyler Murray wasn't the starter at this point last year. Right, exactly what I was about to say. Uh, he did the same with Kyler Murray last year. So, you've got Jalen Hurts probably going to be the starter. Look, if it comes out tomorrow that Jalen Hurts isn't the starter of Oklahoma, you and I need to stop podcasting because that would be two quarterbacks we've completely ruined in the past two weeks. Uh, yes, but yeah, okay. I mean, yes, yeah. We'll we'll stop. We'll stop. I'll stop podcasting if Jalen Hurts is not the starter. If not, if he's not named tomorrow, how's that? <laughs> okay. No, if I'm he, saying I'm saying it is it is it is Jalen it is Jalen Hurts this year. I, I think so, too. I think so, too. Then across the river, you've got Sam Ellinger, uh, who completely destroyed Georgia last year in the Sugar Bowl. Uh, played a great game and really kind of put Texas in a lot of people's minds. Hashtag back. Yeah. He, so, back on the map, at great. least. And he he's, put his name on the map. He, now he's being discussed as Dark Horse, kind of, you know, award-winning dude. The guy that turns Texas around. Yeah, yes. there he is. Yeah. Could, could be one of those things where, oh, maybe it's not Tua or Trevor, which we know it is. But anyway, uh, do you think there's any team that could play the role of spoiler in the Big 12? Someone like West Virginia, who just lost bootstraps. Bill? Uh, hold on. Bootstraps, bootstraps. That's my boy. Oklahoma State, TCU, Baylor, one of those teams. Could they make a run? Or do you think this is just between the Red River shootout? Oklahoma State would be my team. It seems like okay. it's, it seems like every two or three years, Oklahoma State comes through with a uh, a dynamic like wide receiver that I love. Um, 
They had Justin Blackman. Um, did, uh, who was it a couple years ago? Um, that was catching passes from a couple years ago. You know, Oklahoma State was was like a popular um, playoff pick. They've got a, they've got a yeah, wide receiver, Tylen Wallace. Playoff. Is what I'm getting at. Um, yes. Yeah, and uh, they're 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 a potential spoiler. I'm not going to call them a contender, but they are a spoiler. Um, West Virginia's got you know they don't have Dana Holgerson anymore. So I don't know what Neil Brown has. I mean, I love what Neil Brown did uh, up the road from where I grew up in Troy. But, no, I mean, this one feels sort of like an Oklahoma-Texas deal. Two-team race. I'm, Yeah, I, I would agree with you. I'm going to throw out a team, though, for the role of spoiler. Okay? And I, I, I want you to kind of think about this and sit back and actually think about it. Because when I first say it, you might want to laugh. Iowa State. Is projected by Vegas right now. They're at eight and a half wins. Uh, They're favored or should be favored in every single game before uh, until November 9th when they go to Norman. Okay. You could have an undefeated Iowa State playing Oklahoma after Oklahoma has already played Texas. So what do you think about Iowa State as the role of spoiler in the Big 12? Dude, Iowa State is is always the un, they're the evergreen spoiler. You don't want to go to Ames. Nobody wants no. to go to Ames. I don't know if it's in Ames, but I mean, they. I think it's in Ames. I mean, they they beat Baker Mayfield two years ago. Iowa State's the team that yeah. beat Baker Mayfield. So, you know, the Heisman winning Baker they Mayfield, beat. by the way. Yep. So yeah, yeah I mean, I right. there are spoilers out there. Don't get me wrong. Um, and and the thing about the Big Twelve is, we know what kind of defense they play. So. Yes. Really, what kind of teams can put up points? Oklahoma State yes. can always put up points. Iowa State's going to put up points. Baylor will always put up points. West Virginia yeah. usually puts up points. They didn't as much last year, but West Virginia generally puts up points. All you got to do is win the shootout. West, West Virginia almost did it last year against Oklahoma. Well, Should have. And so let me, ask, let me ask you something, because we know the Big 12 is always a shootout, and it's always a shootout, and it's always a shootout, and all that jazz. But what about the fact that Iowa State was ranked ninth last year in yards per rush on defense? Ninth in the country. Uh, they've got a, a great defensive end in Jaquan Bailey. Um, he had eight sacks last year, had a little over 14 tackles for loss. I'm really high on this Iowa State team, not winning, but playing the role of spoiler for either Oklahoma or Texas. Um, and, you know, Jalen Hurts... If you've watched a lot of Alabama games in the past, I know he's matured a lot and he's changed a lot. And like I said, he's one of my favorite college football players, maybe ever, regardless of what happens this season. Against teams who have good rushers on the edge, who can cook up some interesting blitz packages, how does that usually go for Jalen in what we've seen? Yeah, it it hasn't gone well, but he's not going to be facing as many of those teams this year. He's in the Big 12. Not as many. Not as many, but that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying an undefeated Iowa State marches in after Jalen's already gone through the gauntlet of Texas and uh, West Virginia. Texas Tech even is going to have a pretty good squad this year. Who's to say that Iowa State couldn't play the role of spoiler and upset Oklahoma in that no, game? I 100% believe that Iowa State can do that. I am right there with you. But is it enough to knock off the idea of 
Oklahoma slash Texas are one and two this year in that conference in the final standings. Yeah. I don't think it is. Uh, Okay. I don't think Oklahoma is going to be breaking the same kind of offensive records they did last year. Uh, You know, they're coming off Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray. Can can Jalen Hurts score points in the same clip? I think it'll be close. I don't think they'll be as explosive. He's an explosive player with his legs, but Kyler Murray, Baker Mayfield made plays more with their arms. I don't trust that Jalen Hurts will be as explosive. They've got the receivers. He's a better runner than Baker Mayfield, not as good of a runner as Kyler Murray. We know that, but it'll be close. It won't be the same. I still think Oklahoma wins that conference. I'm going to go with Texas by a nose. And everybody Um, loses a game. There are no undefeated Big 12 teams this year. I want to be very clear about that. Okay, I, I like that. I like I I really like that prediction. Uh, I'm going to go with Texas this year just because I think Sam Ellinger has established himself in the conference. I'm not saying overall. I'm saying in the conference he's established himself a little bit more. I like Texas's defense more this year than I do Oklahoma's, and I think that's going to be the tipping point uh, in that game between those two teams this year. I think it's really going to come down to who can get a stop in the fourth quarter, and I think that team's Texas. Sure. Um, now, a lot of things can change. People can get hurt. Uh, you know, Oklahoma's defense could surprise me. But for me, that's the big storyline, and I'm taking Texas's defense this year. I like that. Uh, so here's, a, here's a quick discussion question, because now it feels more level. It feels more even than it has the last few years. Next five years, Lincoln Riley versus uh, uh, Tom Herman. Who are you giving the edge to? Five years? Yeah. Lincoln Riley. I'm still sticking with Riley. Yeah. I, I mean, and part of that is just history uh, and who's proven who, but I think Riley's got a little bit more of a... Uh, it, it, the the history is there, but it's, it's also, I think there's a culture around his players and his coaching staff um, where I'm not going to say it's more mature than Tom Herman, but I think it's... It's like a fine wine. I think it's aged better. I think Tom Herman, if you look back at this time last year, was on a little bit of a hot seat. Not, I'm not, it was warm. It was a warmed seat. It was a third day leftover pizza seat, right? It's not (laughs) going to get hot and warm and delicious again, but you know, you can heat it up. There were, Uh, there were hints of doubt. That's what I think Tom Herman was. There were hints of doubt Uh, is what I think you're trying to say. Yes, exactly. So, you know, I'm, I'm going to go with Riley uh, also just because Tom Herman needed a gimmick to beat Missouri two years ago, whereas uh, Lincoln Riley had Georgia, who almost beat the eventual national champion in Alabama, uh, down by 20 at one point, right, in the playoff. And then last year came back, got down by 20 in the playoff again, almost came back and tied it up. Sure, but, um, so, but know, I mean, I, I'll take, those are I'll different take teams. I mean, these guys now have had two years to get their, their programs here. I, I'm only taking Riley because I just, I, I think he's re- he's still ascending as a coach, and he's at Oklahoma. Um, he's a brilliant offensive mind. He recruits like wildfire. He keeps getting five-star quarterbacks left and right. Now, don't get me wrong, so is Texas. Texas is recruiting like a wildfire too, but offensively, Oklahoma looks like, you know, the bell of the ball in college football for as long as Lincoln Riley's there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if you're Plus a recruiter, they play in the Big who are you 12. taking right now, Texas or Oklahoma? 
I'm still leaning Oklahoma this year. I'm still leaning Oklahoma. Texas will get their win against Oklahoma soon. But yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I'm going to go. I, I'm, if I'm a recruit, I'm going to Oklahoma, but as a podcast, uh, as a podcaster, I'm going to pick Texas, uh, in that conference. And we'll talk a little bit more about that. Texas, Oklahoma. Uh, we'll also talk about, um, Michigan, and Ohio state a little bit later on, uh, when we go into our playoff picks. Now let's go to the fun conference, buddy. Nothing better than watching a, a day full of college football, right? You kick up, you've got, you got your feet on the ottoman, your team's already won, or maybe you got oh, you lucky they've got a bye week. You, you got to get up at 7 a.m. to watch college game day. Yeah, I, I mean, you, you've been up all day long, right? Right. You kick back, it's 10, 10.30 at night, uh, maybe I'll go to bed. Let's just flip on ESPN and see what's on, and oh my God, it is Stanford and Arizona State, and it is already 17-10 to 10 in the first quarter. Uh, nothing better than Pac-12 after dark. And boy, howdy, are we in for a doozy this year in that conference. I don't know if I've ever seen the Pac-12 this discombobulated. Just this absolutely decimated where even if you win the conference, I don't really see you getting in the playoff above any other conference's champion that has one loss. And in some instances, like Alabama and Georgia, you may not even get in over the conference champion with one loss. Uh, or excuse me, the conference runner-up with one loss. Uh, so you know, I, oof, I mean, it's it's going to be a rough year for the Pac-12. But we're going to talk about it anyway. Brick, who is your Pac-12 North team? It comes down between Oregon and Washington, obviously. And um, yes, I'm changing my mind. I'm going Oregon. I said well, I I actually told you Washington before we started this, and as I'm sitting here, I changed my mind. I'm going Oregon. That's great. That's great. I uh, I also believe it's going to be Oregon. Um, I think Washington really got punched in the mouth last year. I think they started figuring it out uh, towards the end of the season. But I think it's uh, really it's just Oregon. Um, uh, Justin Herbert's just so well. He's so talented. Hold on, I'm flip flopping now. Don't do that. Don't be that guy. I, well, you know, Peterson's the best coach in that conference. Um, what do we? What do we? What are they getting out of Jacob Eason? That's the. He's a good quarterback. He has not led a team in two years. Um, their defense is always going to be good because of Peterson. I don't know Oregon. I I really like Mario Cristobal. I'm pretty good I on Justin Herbert. That. I think you're forgetting that the Sun Devils are coached by Herm Edwards, by the way. I just you, you need to put some respect on Herm Edwards. No, name, Herm sir. Edwards is is ascended beyond you you his name doesn't come up in the best coach conversation because it's just not fair. <laughs> it's not. It's really not. Uh, but no, I, I I I can't take Washington based on how they played last year. I just can't do it. Uh knowing that they're going to they've lost a lot of pieces on offense. Um they're coming back off a season that they, let's face it, they underachieved. Um, I, I just, I'm not big on Washington this year. I'm not sure that the magic is there in Seattle. I think this is the year that Oregon uh, really comes out firing. Um, I think Justin Herbert's got a season under his belt. I think everybody's really excited he stayed for his senior year. And he's looking to not only uh, win the Heisman, but I think he's looking to win that conference as well. Hmm. I'm At listening. I'm listening, and I'm absorbing what you're saying about them. 
I think you're being too hard on Washington last year. They won 10 games. That's fine. That's fine. You can think that. They also lost to Auburn. And they lost by five in the Rose Bowl. Um, so yeah, but who'd they lose that Rose Bowl to? Ohio State. Yes, a team that we just dogged. <laughs> no, I'm not dogging Ohio State. Ohio minutes. State damn near made the playoff last year. Um, yeah, nearly did and lost to Purdue by 30. Right. Okay. I mean, I hear you. That was their one loss. It happens. I'm not. I'm not dogging Ohio State as a team. And didn't mean to do that. I mean, oh, I, I barely, barely, barely picked them to not beat Michigan and make the playoff. So, I, and, you're right. You're right. You did not dog them. I did. That that is. I apologize for that. I should not lump you in with my opinions, but I, I'll dog them. I, I don't think. I, I I just don't see it for Ohio State this year. That's fair. That's fair. Um, no, what I'm, my point was, you're being too hard on Washington last year. Um, yeah, they lost a neutral site game in week one. You know how week one works, right? Don't, they've lost to Auburn. Yeah, they, you know, week, I I was never big on Jake Browning. Never big on Jake Browning. I never thought he was very good. And we saw as his career continued, he went from, you know, hot sophomore sensation that made the playoff to somebody that we never talk about anymore and couldn't tell you where he is now. I think Jacob Eason could lift that team up a little higher. A team that won 10 games with Jake Browning last year, uh, that dealed with injuries and has Chris Peterson. But this is my toughest choice so far. I'm flip-flopping on this more than I am with Michigan Ohio State. Yeah. I am, and that's fair. I'll go with Washington. Washington State's going to kill. Washington State's going to kill whoever you pick. You realize that, right? Just because that's how Mike Leach is. That's right. Didn't they play them in the snow last year? Yes, they did. And it was incredible. Yeah. Well, Mike Leach is just, he's a gift. He's I'm a deferring, gift. I, I, am, I am deferring to Chris Peterson on today. I'm, I'm going back. I'm flipping back to where I was. Um, but I'm going to be really mad if Jacob Eason is awful. I'll look dumb, and that'll be fine. I'll own up to it at the end of the season that I was betting on Jacob Eason, and he let me down. I've done it before. But I'll go with Washington. You pick Oregon, and that's okay. Yep, that's fine because I think Justin Herbert's about to about to go off. Uh, or it'll go horribly wrong for him. There's that's, It's the Pac-12, so those are really the only two options. You can't have a mediocre season there. You're either great or you're horrible at Oregon, period. Man, what about that's the it. South? Uh, they throw The South? All right. Here. Now, I texted you before we podcasted because I was looking at a team in the South. You, you tell me if I'm crazy here. And you, you seem to not think that I'm crazy. Okay? The Pac-12 media also does not think I'm crazy. Uh, with 206 points at Pac-12 media days, Utah was picked as not only the Pac-12 South Division champion, they were picked as the Pac-12 champion. Uh, you know... Utah's defense is returning a lot of pieces. A lot of pieces. That's a very talented defense. Uh, that's a defense that doesn't have a lot to lose. That's a team that traditionally, when they've had a good defense, has played very well in the Pac-12. You can look back uh, to Urban Meyer's team. Uh, you can look back to when Utah beat Alabama in 2008. Those teams were anchored by great defensive play. They've got the Holy War. Uh, I'm so excited about this. Thursday night, September 29th at 10:15. So you've got a rivalry game to start the season. Then your schedule looks like this. 
Northern Illinois at home, Idaho State at home. You go to the Coliseum and play USC. You've got Mike Leach coming to town. And then after that, you don't have a tough game until Washington in November. Here's a scenario that I've talked myself into. Utah loses one of those games, right? Maybe USC turns, writes the ship, turns it around, uh, has great quarterback play. You know, they may have an 8-9 win season, one of those wins being against Utah at home. Uh, you could also make a case that Mike Leach pulls some Mike Leach stuff and beats Utah at home, or beats Utah on the road. Um you could also even say that Arizona State might sneak up and get them, but I'm, I'm really not high on Arizona State this year, despite Herm Edwards. Uh, Washington's the team you need to be worried about. But your rivalry games, uh, again, your rivalry games at the beginning of the season, you play Arizona, who's a dumpster fire at the end of the season, and then you've got Colorado at home, who could be a pretty good team this season, but I don't think good enough to beat Utah. I could see Utah coming in with one loss, and being snubbed from the playoffs a la Ohio State last year. Yeah, one loss Utah doesn't make the playoff. An, no, undef- and an undefeated Utah might not make the playoff. But I also think it could be one of those situations where we look at the end of the season and say, okay, Utah would have been better than that team who got you know, destroyed in the first round of the playoffs. I think that could happen. But I'm with you. I think Utah is in the conference championship. I, was, I, I, I like them. I'm, I'm going with them. I think it's Utah over Oregon for the Pac-12. Utah has a, a bona fide top 10 defense. They have, like you, you just laid out their schedule. They've got a pretty, pretty favorable schedule. And, you know, they're playing in the Pac-12 South. And, you know, aside from what should be USC, not much happening out there. And you know I'm not going to pick USC. You heard me last week. I, I, yes. I mm, I have no, I have no belief in USC this year. I like JT Daniels, but I don't like USC. And like I said, I think, I, I, I think that Urban Meyer is the de facto head coach at USC by the time they hit their bye week. It just isn't announced till the end of the I'm season. Gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw out a school, and you, you tell me if I'm crazy, okay? If this happens, and I don't think this will happen, but if it does happen, Notre Dame has a five to six win season. Just completely underachieves. Brian Kelly gets fired. Urban Meyer goes to Notre Dame. Yeah, 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 yeah. If, if Notre Dame implodes in an offseason where Urban Meyer is a free agent, quote unquote, yeah, I think they, I think they make that sad because they've rumored for years that Notre Dame is a uh, Urban Meyer's dream job. That's fine, but you know yes. what? I don't think Notre Dame loses five, six games. I think Notre Dame is a top 10 team that annoys us all season. And yes, uh, as is tradition. As is, as is tradition. And um, I think Urban Meyer would sprint to USC. Yeah, I think he would. Because uh, we, know, be we, know, we know he didn't leave Florida for health reasons. We know he didn't leave Ohio State for health reasons. We know he still wants to coach football. He's still young. He's not an old coach. Yes. He's still got several good he's years not. left in him. He's not retired. Are you kidding me? He w- he's won national championships with two blue bloods. He wants to go make it three now. He sees that as a challenge. He doesn't, he's not done. He's not going of, to see his kids. He, he, he's going to spend one season watching his kids play my, uh, Little League Baseball. That's it. He's going to go to, he's, they are going to sprint to Los Angeles. 
unless South yes. Bend's there. Yeah. No, I agree, but I'm just saying I could, I could see a situation where it's a bidding war between USC and Notre Dame, and I'm sorry, but USC doesn't win that battle. No, and then US, but either way, they got to get rid of Clay Helton anyway, so it's not like it's the biggest loss, but yes. I, I think he's yeah. coaching at USC next year, and I think he's All right. getting USC into the verge of the playoffs within three. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. I could see that. Uh, are we done with our Pac-12? Yeah, I guess you're picking Oregon to win. I'm picking Washington to win. Is that how we went there? Or did uh, you pick Utah I, I'm to win? I'm picking Utah to beat Oregon. Okay. I like it. All right. I'm, I'm actually excited for Washington that. You're taking Washington over Utah? Yeah, I'll, I'll have Washington over Utah in that game. Okay. Uh, let's move on to the SEC. Oh, boy. This SEC West this year, let's just start there. There, there's so much to break down here. Let's just start with the SEC West. Sure. You've got an LSU team that's finally trying to evolve and play five wide. You've got an Auburn team that thinks they have a lot of momentum despite not having a quarterback, although you're pretty high on Bo Nix from what it sounds like. Very high on Bo Nix. Uh, you've got Texas A&M with Kellen Mond, who is coming in with a lot of momentum. As they are probably the team that took Clemson down to the wire uh, more than anybody last season. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're going to be looking for they're looking their chops. Oh yeah, and then you've got that Alabama team, the only team who's been to the playoff every single year, a team that has been to the national championship four years in a row, a team that is returning the best quarterback to ever put on a crimson jersey there, who is now, for all intents and purposes, and for all we know, healthy. Uh, and that's just the West. That's just the West. So and then there's not much over in the East, but. There's not a ton. But there's more, there, there's more than there used to be, but, the, but yeah. Let's talk about the West right now. Sure. Who are you taking? What are the big games in the West? Uh, uh, and why are you taking the team you're taking? Okay. Nobody's going to be surprised to say that, to hear that I'm taking Alabama. Um, in the West, the big games there would be, you know, they go to, um, they code to College Station. This year, we'll see what Jimbo has in store for him out there. They've, um, you know, he's they've been challenged out there before during this run. Um, they play LSU at home. It's just Bama versus these teams. I mean, it's it's knocking off Bama. I mean, even in years that Alabama hasn't won the West, they've still won national championships. That's the stranglehold they've had on the SEC West. I mean, that's even when they haven't yes, won twice. it, it hasn't mattered twice. Twice, twice in the past decade, they have won national championships without winning their division. They didn't even need to win their division, and they won national championships. That's insane. So, yeah, those are the big games. And then, of course, the Iron Bowl. You've got Texas A&M, you've got LSU, you've got Auburn versus Alabama. I don't know that I yes. think that LSU-Auburn's this big must-see game. Or LSU, I mean, LSU-A&M just because last year was so much fun, but as far as... The playoffs yeah, concerned. Exactly. It's not important until it is, and it hasn't been. That's really bad analysis, but I know I'm really oversaturating that and watering it down. I think Alabama gets that kind of nod, though. I mean, they. Alabama, we talked about Clemson. They, they, Clemson is going to be so good this year. Alabama is going to be so good this year. So good. And so, and, be, so, and so is Georgia. They're going to be hard to beat. 
They're returning possibly the greatest wide receiver class to ever play football. They're up there. Period. That's up there. Uh, Four guys that could go in the first round. I, I would love to hear another team that's ever had four guys named to the Bulletnikov watch list at the beginning of the season. Not four. Four players. Not four. Four. Four, right? At one point, Clemson had Sammy Watkins, DeAndre Hopkins, and um, oh, who was the other one that I'm forgetting? Mike Williams, maybe? They had they had yes, three first-round receivers on their roster at one time. They weren't all running go-routes at the same time. That's the difference between those two. Because yes. I've, I've seen them be brought up. Um, the difference was is that Mike Williams hadn't really cracked the lineup yet. All of the receivers at Alabama that people are saying could go in the first round, I don't think all four of them will, but no, they I could. Agree. I agree. I think you're hard-pressed to take uh, Devontae Smith in the first round. Right, but that might be different if Devontae Smith wasn't playing alongside the other three, but the idea of the fact that all three of all four of them, sorry, Jalen Waddle, are running go routes together, because we're talking Judy, Ruggs, Waddle, and uh, Devontae Smith, you know, You've got Judy, who won the Belitnikoff. You've got Devontae Smith, who's already caught a game-winning catch in the national championship. You've got uh, Henry Ruggs, who's the fastest of the four. And you've got Jalen Waddell, who was the most electrifying freshman Alabama's seen at receiver in a while. I'm not saying best. I'm saying electrifying. He's just, you know. Since since Amari Cooper, I'd say. Sensational. I'd say with Um, the ball in his hands, he's more electrifying. More of a threat to score. Yeah, yeah, oh, I agree with you. I agree with you. I think that Devontae Smith has the best ability to catch balls uh, in traffic. Um, I think that Henry Ruggs is obviously the fastest. I think complete receiver, uh, you've got to give it to Jerry Judy, obviously, the returning Bolitnikoff uh, watch list uh, winner. Um, or not watch list winner, but Bolitnikoff winner. I think that uh, the people who put out an article last week that said that Rondale Moore was a more exciting receiver uh, than Jerry Judy have just proven that people do not watch Alabama games unless they're playing in the playoffs or national championship. If it's not a postseason, national writers are not watching Alabama. They're bored with it. Uh, you can call me a conspiracy theorist all you want, but you cannot put out an article saying that a true freshman uh, who had a very good game against Ohio State and a very, very good season last year is better than one of the best receivers to walk on Alabama's football field. And, oh, by the way, uh, Julio Jones, Amari Cooper, and Calvin Ridley also played on that field. You, you just can't do it. So I'm sorry to go off on a tangent there. But they've got the best receiving core in the country. They've got two studs at running back. Uh, had one go down. And then you flip to the defensive side of the ball, where there's a few more questions, but they're also returning a defensive backfield who's very determined to erase – uh, a lot of the doubts and a lot of the naysayers from last year after the national championship. No, I mean, yeah, the, the defensive backfield's getting Trayvon Diggs back. They are, um, they're, they're getting hit with the injury bug at linebacker. They've had one get dismissed from the program, uh, Yabi Anoma, who was their number one recruit. They were, he was their top true freshman last year. And then um, they had uh, Josh McMillan go down with what we think is probably a you know, season, regular season at least, ending injury. They're getting hit by the injury bug. We've seen what that can do at Alabama, but um, although it didn't matter, it's. I think we're beating a dead horse when we go. Alabama is going to be great. Alabama is going to be great. But it's to wrap it and bring it full circle back around. The reason we talk about the West is because 
if you're not a fan of Alabama and you're not a fan of them winning, then you're just biding time until another team's ready to do it or until Saban's gone. Yes. And yeah, every time a team gets to yeah. that gets to that spot, right? Every time it looks like that team is ready in the West, in the West, it falls apart. Less miles. Uh, Gus Mel's on. Um, Jimbo Fisher's the next great hope. The next great hope for Alabama, nays- yeah. not naysayers, but but fa- fatiguists. Jimbo Fisher's the next great hope. We'll see. We'll see. Fatigues? I think Jimbo Fisher's the best of those three that I just named. We'll yeah, see. Yeah, I agree. I don't think that LSU instituting a new offense can get it done this year, especially on the road going to Tuscaloosa. I don't think that Auburn is going to be very good at football this year, period. Uh, I could be wrong on that, and as we've learned from Auburn, anytime you predict that they're going to be bad, what happens? Here, let let me talk about Auburn right quick, because I'm going to uh, sort of agree with you. Auburn is... I actually think Auburn's going to be a good team. I think Auburn's going to be a good team. I think they're going to, if they play Bo Nix, Bo Nix is a wonderful quarterback and will be a very good quarterback if he stays at Auburn for four years. Wherever he plays, he's going to be good. Um, And then Auburn may have the best, most complete defense in that conference. But I don't believe in Gus Malzahn as a head coach, which is a huge part of this. And they play their their schedule. They got Oregon, they got Texas A and they got LSU, they've got Alabama and Georgia. Right? So that already looks could be four or five losses. And that's before you start talking about are they going to drop a game like they did last year to Tennessee or Mississippi State. That's where it gets hard. Because you could yeah. look at Auburn and they could end the season seven and five, and it's easy to go, they sucked. But they might not be bad. It's just the stars have not aligned for Auburn this year. You're asking yeah. for yeah. you are you are asking for a an unprecedented level. Like I don't even know for to to try to put them as a team that could be in Atlanta. You're asking for an unprecedented jump. That's that's yeah. my thought on Auburn. I, I don't think that Gus Malzahn's going I, – I don't think he's your guy. Oh, Florida, too. If They're at honest, Florida. I, don't, I forgot. Auburn's at Florida. I, I don't think that Gus Malzahn can get it done. I don't care what happened against Purdue in the Music City Bowl last year. I don't know why that is such a big game for them, why that is giving them so much confidence going into this season. Uh, you lost Jarrett Stidham to the Patriots, which is just full of irony for me. Uh it's it's just not this is not going to happen as long as Gus Malzahn's at the helm. Gus, I, Auburn's I quarterback play it. will be better by the end of the season than what Stidham was giving them, but Gus Malzahn's on the hottest seat, not named the biggest team, not uh, besides Clay Helton. It's Gus Malzahn's the number two yeah. coach on the hottest seat. I don't think he's coaching there next year. Again, five losses, and let me name those six teams again. Oregon, A&M, Alabama, LSU, um, Georgia, and Florida. They play all of those teams. And only, I think, two of those at home. One neutral yeah. and three on the road. I mean, that is... So that's if, and, and that's, that's uh, like I said, before you even play Mississippi State, Ole Miss, and, Mississippi, and, and 
Arkansas, who I think they're better than all three of those teams, but they dropped one of those games last year. That's what I'm saying. And I think five losses yeah. for Miles on this year, it's done. They almost got rid of yeah, him last year. They tried to get the money together probably and couldn't. Yes, I agree. I agree. Uh, so we've, we've talked about LSU as well. Gonna Let's see if this sounds familiar. You're going to have a great defense at LSU. You're going to have a good defense who's ready to go. Your offense, can they get it done? And it all depends on the quarterback. And what's the answer, Rick? Get it get it no. done being beating Alabama and A&M and all the – no. Beating Alabama. Yes. No. no. It's not going to happen with that quarterback. Running a new system uh, at a school where that has not been practiced for a long time. Last year, he said it at SEC Media Days. At Orgeron said last year they wanted to go five wide and didn't have the personnel. They didn't yeah. have enough receivers to go five wide. Yeah. So to make that jump and then to assume that they can beat Tua in Alabama, beat Kellen Mond in Texas A&M, I, I just don't think you can get it done. So let's move on to Texas A&M. You've got Jimbo Fisher and Kellen Mond. They play Clemson on the road in week two. Let's say that they beat Clemson on the road. Do Does that play into your mind? Uh... And does that make maybe play a factor in the Alabama game mentally for Alabama? Or do you think if they upset Clemson, it's just another game? No, 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 no. If they upset Clemson, if they upset Clemson on the road, Texas A&M is number two in the West. No question in, my, in, in everybody's mind. And it's now can they do it again against Alabama? But this time they got them at home. Yeah. That changes that game astronomically for everybody. You can't tell me that if they beat Clemson, Alabama is going to... I know that Alabama preaches the treat every opponent the same, and they say it all the time, but we've seen time and time again that that's hard to do, and no no team truly does that. I fully believe that no team truly does that. So, no, yeah. if, if, if A&M knocks off Clemson on the road, you're talking about now in a couple weeks they're going to get a shot to take down Bama too? If they do... I mean... In their mind, they're going. If we do both of those, we're the hottest. We're the hottest thing in college football. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Here's here's my thought on yeah. on a And M. I you know, I like I like Jimbo Fisher as a coach. I like him as a program builder, and that's what he's doing still. Um, he's still building the program in his image, and it's going to be a good image because he's got unprecedented resources. Or, sorry, I should say exponentially more resources at A&M than he did at FSU. They're going to give him everything he needs, everything he asks for. They, he says jump, they say how high. That's what he's got. But, yeah. and I've said before, I think that A&M is soon going to be the number two team in the West. I think they're going to surpass LSU, and I still stand by that. They're, but I look at yeah. A&M this year, and I exactly what I just said about Auburn. They could be a good team. They could be a borderline great team. But if there's one team that's got a tougher schedule than Auburn, it's A&M. Because they've got all those same teams I yes. mentioned. But Clemson is an out-of-conference. And Clemson. And not just Clemson. you got Clemson on the road. On the road. Now, so granted, you take you away Oregon. You take away Oregon as neutral site and you put Clemson on the road. That's, that's your trade-off. So they could be a 4-5-6 loss team. And you can go... But then don't be surprised next year when A&M goes 10-2. Get what I'm saying? Yes, I 100% get what you're saying. Uh, so let's move to the East. Not spend 
as much time, obviously. Kentucky was a surprise team out of the East last year. Probably going to have a bit, at least a bit of a fall off after last year, right? You could assume that. I say a big fall off. Okay. So this is between Georgia and would you say Florida? Yes. And I'm not as big on Florida as most people this year. I think no, Florida no, I think Florida uh, is closer to Missouri than Georgia this year. Wow. I think they're still two. I think they're the second best team in that uh, division. I think Missouri might be three. And I'm saying they're closer to Missouri than they are to Georgia this year. Yeah. Florida's Florida's big games will be they do get to play Kelly Bryant uh, this year. It is on the road. Um, but that'll be an interesting game. That's the second to last week of the season. Cocktail party is always the first weekend of November. Um, so that, you know, you've got Georgia, Vanderbilt, Missouri, and Florida State. That's how you end your season. Uh, then you've got, you know, obviously they're the week zero game. We're going to talk about that here in a minute against Miami. Um, they get Tennessee and Auburn at home. They've got to go to Death Valley to play LSU. But really, outside of that, their schedule's quite favorable this year. Yeah. Um, until they run into Georgia. Uh, so really, it's just about whether or not they can take down Georgia. I do not think that Felipe Franks is there. I don't think he can play the role of uh, upset champion against Georgia. Um, but I like the way that Florida is trending. I like the way uh, that Dan Mullins, uh, you know, sort of run that program and how things are trending there. But I'm just not sure they're ready to do it yet. Yeah, no, Florida, in my mind, Florida's a year away from being a year away. They were gonna. T- they had a good. They had a really good season last year, especially for year one under Dan Mullen. I love Dan Mullen. I love his fit in Florida, and I think he will eventually have Florida running toe to toe with Georgia year in and year out. If we're looking ten years down the road, right. but it's year two, and I look at this specific Florida team. Not every rebuild goes this way, but this specific Florida team, I see them taking one step back so they can take two, three, four steps forward in the future. Um, they will, they've lost, they've already lost a ton of even just this year's recruiting class. They just had a guy the other day. I couldn't tell you all these names, but they just had a guy the other day that didn't qualify. They've had guys transfer out. They've had guys never show up. They've had guys get hurt. Um, they've had guys decommit, decommit. They've had completely flip their commit. And I'm not, I'm not there with, uh, yeah, they had the dude go to, um, USC and get the waiver. What the, whatever. Um, they've. Yep, I'm not a big Felipe Franks guy. Uh, he did surprise me a little last year, but I'm still not. Is he going to have Florida on a similar level as Georgia? Belief in him. Um, so like, I think their scores against Missouri, where even if they beat Missouri, will be closer than that whatever they put up against Georgia this year, by far. And I'm yeah, real. Some people are off a little on Georgia. I'm really high on Georgia this year too. Anyway, okay. that's that's my thought go, on the go East. into. Here's my thing with Georgia. Georgia, it's 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 again, it's the conversation that the rest of the SEC has. Can they get over the hump that is Alabama? You've been seconds away from really putting Alabama away or just completely finishing them off two years in a row now in Atlanta, in Georgia, and you couldn't get it done. So why would I believe? This year is the year that George is going to be able to do that. Well, it depends on how you phrase your question. Your question is can. Can is yes. Will, to me, still is no. 
Will they do it? No. Can yes. they? Absolutely. Yes. They could they have, have done yeah, it two years in a, a row. Question, for me, it's not a question of talent. We are we are two plays away. Two play, two plays away from talking about Georgia two and zero against Alabama the last two years. So they can. I think this is the year where it gets set off a little bit more. It's a little harder. I think they're a little farther this year. Um, I think the gap is is a little okay. So here's the question. Here's the way I wrote it on the docket. The last two years, the gap between Alabama and Georgia has been very minuscule. Um, again, a walk-off win in the national championship and a last-minute touchdown from a backup quarterback, Jalen Hurts, was the difference. I think the gap's a little wider this year. I think if they play this year, which I guess I thought this last year too, but I think if they play this year at the end of the year and everybody's healthy, actually healthy, Alabama's more of a 14-point win, 10-point win, not a 3, not a 1, not a walk-off touchdown point win. But I I agree with you there. Um, I think... Talent-wise, Georgia can get it done, but it's it's just, and I think at this point, it's kind of becoming a mental aspect, especially for Jacob Fromm. Jake Fromm, State Farm. I, I just, I'm not sure he's really there mentally as far as, okay, I know I can go out and beat Alabama. I, I hear um, you. Because the past. I hear you, but if we're, if, if I'm really thinking about December, December, however many months away from now. I think when they play on that field, nothing that's happened the last two years comes into play. In crunch time. Okay. Okay, because last the last two years in crunch time, uh, Jake Fromm hasn't showed up. The whole yeah, and neither did Kirby Smart. But they yeah, still showed right. me enough to go, damn, they can do it though. Right, as an Alabama yeah. fan, which yes. is what which, which is absolutely what you're speaking as right now, and that's fine. As an Alabama fan, you have you it, you have to thank your lucky stars that Georgia didn't do it. It's not even as much that they couldn't; it's that they didn't. And there's a big yeah. diff- There's a very big difference between those two statements. Right. And it will happen. It will no, happen. It will ha- at some point. It- Right, and I agree with you. At some point, it will. It is not this season. I don't know. If this, is, I don't healthy. think this is the year. I don't think this is the year that it happens. I'm just right. saying that. Listen, we, they could both be undefeated in, in Atlanta, and if they won it this time, I wouldn't be blown away. It wouldn't be some like, oh my gosh, what the hell happened? I'd be like, well, yeah. you know, Georgia, no. they are, they are on an equal talent plane as Alabama. Now, their talent's younger. Their talent's more inexperienced for now. But Alabama's experience is mostly leaving after this year. That's why I think next year, I won't get too much into that. I think if they should have done it, it should have been last year. They didn't. Not couldn't, but didn't. This year, it's a little farther off. Alabama's skill guys, Alabama's experience is in year three. A lot of Georgia's year three just left. Uh, They don't really have much at receiver. They don't have anything that we've seen at receiver. None of their starting receivers will have caught a pass. I don't think that matters with a quarterback like Jake Fromm, but it's there. Um, yes. They don't have they've got De, they've got DeAndre Swift, but they don't have the Well, actually they do have the stable of running backs. I had to stop myself there. They've actually got more running backs than Alabama right now. Um Yeah, right defensively now, yeah. they're similar. Yes. But 
Yeah. Uh, you know, I it, it's tough for me to really gauge where Georgia's going to be next year, mainly because we don't know who's going to take over at quarterback. Alabama's big feather in their cap, their big X factor, their big thing that's, that actually separates them on the field right now than over Georgia is Tua and the four wide receivers because the defenses are similar. The, wide, the, the running backs are similar. The offensive line, I'm sure, is similar. And that's really the hope at Alabama, too, for, for Clemson. But it's just it's not, it's not that far. It's like 10, 14 points to me this year. It's not one. All right, so you're you're taking Alabama then? I am. The SEC, correct? I am. Okay, just want to make sure we're on record. We're both taking Bama and Georgia with a Bama victory. Um, and it's going to be a little bit further away this year, but it's also, you know, the gap is I, yes. narrowing. I don't think I don't think quickly. it's the nail biter this year than it has been. Unless again Tua yeah. comes in injured yeah. and you know, Whatever. Whatever could happen between now and then that we can't plan for on this podcast. I think that's the reason it was that close last year, too. But Is there any sort of surprise team you see in the SEC this year? Kind of like Kentucky last year. Um, not. I see teams that I think could potentially surprise, but I don't look at this and, and I, I'm not going to pick them to do it. We've we've no. talked about it before. I don't know I, if we've said it. I think we actually argued over the phone on this. Not argued, but talked about it. If there is a surprise team that would actually surprise us, it's either Tennessee or South Carolina, and I don't think either of them do it. No, I don't either. I could see an argument for Missouri. I've been hearing rumblings about Missouri getting it done with Kelly Bryant, but again, Kelly Bryant just proved in the past the big stage kind of creeps up and scares them sometimes. Sorry, I didn't think. I, I guess I like didn't think is. of Missouri. Um, yeah, I guess it would quote unquote surprise me if Missouri was number two in that division, and I think that could happen. I think they yeah. can beat Florida, and I think yeah. they can lose to Georgia, and maybe lose to one other team along the way, and be number two in the SEC East. I'll go with. I'll agree with what you're saying there. Okay. All right. Good. All right, let's let's move on. Uh, we're gonna just touch. Let's spend one minute on this, two minutes on this. The best of the group of five. Yeah. Who are you looking at? Who do you think is gonna make a push? Is there any realistic chance for any group of five team to make the playoff this year, and why? Go. Let me talk about this, and then we'll discuss it. I want to get through this before you interrupt me because I looked at the entire group of okay. five, and I looked at it from a prism of if. X, Y, Z, actually A, B, C, D through Z happened. Would these teams be able to be in the top, let's say six or seven? So they'd be in the discussion. Sure. Right? Sure. There's two. There is two. There are two teams that I look at. It, it's Houston. And only because Houston has a guy that's a, that's a known commodity, a quarterback with Derek King. He's good. He's on Heisman watch lists. Yeah. And 100%. they play Oklahoma. So they're going to get that shot. You know, remember, remember a couple times when Boise State didn't make it and then they played Georgia. They had their shot. They beat Georgia. And I was like, all right, well, they showed yeah. us. 
and then they lost to Nevada, but they could have won. They could, they absolutely could have been in the BCS because they beat Georgia. That's Houston. Now it's not the same as what I just said about Boise, but they are going to get their chance to beat a Jalen Hurts and a Lincoln Riley. Number two yes. would be UCF, only because of the noise and the fact that they've done it twice. They went undefeated and got yeah. left out. And if they, the longer they kept doing something like that, the harder it is to leave them out. Plus, they've got not Mackenzie Milton, but Brandon Wimbush at quarterback. And so there's not a huge drop off at quarterback. They'd have to go undefeated. They'd need Bama and Georgia and all these teams to have two losses each. And they need. They need a lot of teams to have two or three losses. I'm not saying that if they go undefeated, they're in because I'm not an idiot. But if they're undefeated and everybody else in the country happens to have two losses, yeah, then UCF might be in. Houston might be in. Those yeah. are the, That's it. Those are the two yeah. teams in my mind. I think that uh, probably I, I, I like the Houston pick. I like the UCF pick. But the team that I'm really looking at for the group of five this year is Memphis. Um, Vegas has them right now. I think it was eight and a half wins. Uh, is their over-under, and you know, looking at their schedule, that's very doable. Now, their issue is they don't really get a big-time upset opportunity. Uh, they play Ole Miss, they play USF, uh, but those aren't really big-time programs that are you know, blue bloods, perennial powerhouses. That's just not who they are. It's not like they're going to go upset a Georgia or an Oklahoma like you were just talking about. Yeah. But I think Memphis could put together a very good season. Memphis could be a very good group of five team and will be a very good group of five team. I was coming at it from yes. who could actually contend at a top seven level in the country. Yeah, right. Yeah, absolutely. And you yes, got to have that win. You, but in the playoff age, because yeah. to put in a group of five team, you got to do what you did last year. And that's to leave out two power five conferences. And actually, that's happened the last two yeah. years in a row. So it's actually not as insane. But, yeah, yeah. but to do that for UCF or Houston, you got to either go undefeated for the third year in a row or, you know, beat Oklahoma. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yes, I do. I do. I do. Uh, so, again, I, I get what you're saying, but, it, you know, just overall group of five, who do I like? I'm not as high on UCF this year as I'm not going to say I have been in the past because we know how I feel about UCF. Right. Uh but I, I am not expecting as big of a season from them as they've had in the past. I like Houston. I like Memphis. Houston gets Memphis at home November 16th. That's going to be a really fun game. Uh, Blake Barnett is the starter at South Florida. I think they could have a great season. Uh, but right now, I like Memphis and I like Houston in the group of five. Uh, let's move on, shall we? Let's do it. The Heisman. The most prestigious single award in college football that's not a national championship. Uh, Brick, do you really believe it's between uh, Trevor and Tua, Trevor Lawrence and Tua Tungavailoa, uh, kind of like the rest of college football? Um, it's almost kind of like uh, an epitomizer for the entire landscape of college football right now. It's Alabama and Clemson yet again. Uh, and if you think there's someone who could maybe play the role of spoiler as far as the Heisman's concerned, who is it? I don't think it's only between those two. I mean, you know, there are a lot of good, there are a lot of better names this year than there have been the last couple. And it's just those are the only two t names that really matter in September. Um, they're the only two names that you can almost shoe in 
as Heisman finalists. And you can bet like hell that both of those programs are going to be trying to win their quarterback a Heisman. I've talked about this before with you. I think Alabama is going to do all kind. I don't know the two is sitting in the fourth quarter as often. They want to win him a Heisman, right? Nick Saban wants to walk into the next five-star quarterback's house and say, hey, Tua won the Heisman. You can do it here. He wants that. He wants to have that. He's been able to do it with running backs. He wants to do that with quarterbacks. And Trevor, we know what Trevor is. We know what... Um, Trevor was my... I, I said last year in October before Trevor was really the hottest commodity in football that I thought he wins it this year. But there are a lot of good names out there. There are a lot of unknowns that are also known. Like a like a Justin Fields. Like a... Jalen Hurts at Oklahoma. Uh, Jonathan Taylor could lead Justin the... Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert, you know? Guy that might go number one in the draft. Yeah. Everybody loves him. Yep. Jake Fromm. Jake Fromm could throw 40 touchdowns coming into the season with uh, no receivers that had caught any passes. You'd think that's good. I mean, that's going to be a storyline. Ellinger. Ellinger could get Shea Texas... In, think about Ellinger getting Texas into the playoff. If Ellinger gets Texas into yep. the playoff, you've got to think he's in New York. So... So if you okay, there there are a lot of really talented. This is a year for quarterbacks, though. Like the, we just named all those guys. One of them was a running back, uh, who were both very high on, um, and Jonathan Taylor, but we're not high on Wisconsin themselves, right? No, I mean we we are. Sorry, Tua Tua we, we and are, Trevor would not, need to would need to struggle, and Wisconsin would need to be yes. an undefeated playoff contender. That's how or, he. Or, that's yeah. how he wins. That also ran they for two thousand yards and twenty something touchdowns. Yes, I, I think Tua or Trevor need to get hurt for some of these guys to really be seriously in the conversation. Um, um, I think I, Justin I think Fields. Their award to lose. I think Justin Fields, if he goes and gets his team into the playoff with a true freshman, sorry, not true freshman, but first year head coach, um, would be you know a name there. I think if Fromm beats Alabama in December. Right, we all know how big those conference championships weigh on voters' minds. Yep. If he actually does it and yes. beats them this year, he might be there. It's, it's not as it's. It, I actually don't think it's as big of a gap as people make it sound. But there are two very, very obvious favorites, and that is Tua and Trevor. So, Jake Fromm, Justin Fields, Justin Herbert, Jalen Hurts, Shea Patterson, Jonathan Taylor. Take two of those names and add it to Tua and Trevor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, get, I, um, I want go, you to pick two of them. I'm ah, gosh, it, it's just tough. I, I, I hate just putting quarterbacks in the Heisman ceremony, right? I love it. There's, there's been so many years where it's, it's very obvious that uh, the winner of the Heisman is going to be a quarterback. Last year it was, it was Kyler and it was Tua. Two years ago it was Baker Mayfield and who was the other quarterback that went up with Baker? I mean, you had I, I Lamar remember. Jackson. But Baker was pretty runaway uh, two years ago. No, I mean, no. Yeah, Kyler, so, Kyler was a dark horse this time last year. I'm, I was about to bring Kyler Murray up. He was a dark horse. He wasn't a contender. He was a um, dark horse. But when we got to New York in December, he was. It was. It was theirs to lose. It was. Oh yeah, was no. I mean, they didn't. They didn't even Kyler. bring a running back to to New York. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Right. So I, I think they want. So if I'm putting money on it, I'd take Jonathan Taylor. But who do I actually? Uh, really believe deserves to be there at this point. I know that's kind of a weird thing to say. You know, I think if Jalen Hurts leads uh, Oklahoma to 
the playoff or even to the Big 12 title game. I think he could be there. Um, he's tough. He can run the ball. Uh, you know, Oklahoma's had two there right now. That's going to weigh in on the voters' minds. They've had two winners in the past two years. That weighs in on a voter's mind. Whether or not they say so or not, that's that. So I'll put, I'll take Jalen Hurts. And you know what? I, I'm going to take, uh, I'll double down on Texas. I'm going to take Sam Ellinger there as well. Uh, so if you ask me to pick two, um, I'm going to go uh, with Hertz and Ellinger. Mine would be Hertz and Fields. If you know, if those two, d- those are two names that are going to have some sexy highlights, and they're sexy names yes. at sexy schools that could be playing in sexy November, December, and January games. And I think one of now, those two, about- I think one of those two will be in New York. What about Joe Burrow doesn't scream sexy to you? I just I want to know that. Listen, I, I did SEC Media Days a couple weeks ago for work, and I'm telling you right now that my favorite person I got to, I I got I was standing at the camera for every single player interview that was in the TV room, so I listened to all of them talk. By far, my favorite was Joe Burrow. Dude, he come. He's the man. I don't. I don't know if you and I have talked about this. Joe Burrow commanded that room. We were locked. Let me tell you, SEC Media Days is a gauntlet. It is. You. Yeah, I, I don't want to disparage teams and players. I'm not going to name any particular names when it comes to this part. But it Probably is a idea. lot of talking and questions and dudes and teams and nope. Joe Burrow walked in. We were right back in. He was hilarious. Yeah. He was fun. He had good stuff to say. He was awesome. Yeah. But he's not I mean, going he's to New York. He's, a, he's not going kidding. to New York. He's I'm, not a, I'm absolutely kidding. Yeah. I just felt like that needed to be uh, said okay. on our podcast. So, so your pick for the 2019 Heisman. Let's get there. Let's get there. Uh, no, I wanted to ask you if you have a name, if you have a guy that nobody's... Remember, nobody had said anything about like a um Lamar Jackson Lamar the year Jackson. he won it. Yeah. Is there a Derek guy Henry. out there Mark that's Ingram. like Mark Ingram that uh Robert Griffin that nobody's Johnny Manziel. A lot most of the time one of those guys is what wins the Heisman cuz not really a ton of people yes. are talking about Kyler Murray. Yeah. You can't give it um, to two Oklahoma quarterbacks in a row. But they did. So is there is there there might not be think, one. It's yeah. hard to come up with one. Off the top of my head, I, I, I don't really think of one. I think, honestly, Shea Patterson's a pretty good pick there. It is. Um, just because I think that he's a guy that if Michigan finally does beat Ohio State, he's going to have to play great, right? He's going to have to play great all season. He's going to have to be consistent. Um, but, you know, that's one name. The other name that I'm going to throw out, um, and just sort of hear me out for a second. Sure. Uh, I, I am not predicting him to go off and put up Tua and Trevor numbers. But if there's a surprise guy that in is in New York in December and we're sitting there going, oh, crap, wow, he, him, really? Yeah, I guess so. He did throw for that many yards. I could see Kellen Mond going off. All right. Um, okay, I know. You got my interest. If he upsets, if he upsets one Clemson or Alabama, I think Kellen Mond is a guy that you, you could, you know, not necessarily going to win it, but you could put some money on saying, hey, he's going to be in New York and win a good chunk of change and really have kind of a safe bet. Now, that is if he upsets Clemson or Alabama. If he plays terrible in those games, there's no way. 
No, he's got. Uh, but listen, we know he can put up yards. He's he's got more shots at upsets than any. He's got Clemson, Alabama. They play Georgia too, and they got LSU. And we saw two Heisman winners back to back win the Heisman based on not the fact that their team went to the playoff. Right, Robert Griffin beat Oklahoma when they were number one. Remember when Oklahoma came into that season as number one because they had Landry Jones and all those dudes? Yes. They were ranked ahead of Bama. They were the team. They yeah. Remember that awesome game they played against FSU, and then they beat them, and they were number one all season. And then Robert Griffin beat them on a Saturday night while the whole nation was watching. Johnny Manziel beat Alabama at Alabama. Alabama. When nobody was supposed yep. to touch that team that year. I like that yeah. pick. I'm proud of that. I like that. Yeah, no, so I, I think Kellen Mond's the guy. Um, the other, I'm going to say, and I, I don't think, just because of the offense they run, Travis Etienne is another guy I'm high on, but I just don't think with the amount of times that Clemson throws the ball, he's really a guy that could get there. It's tough. It's like it's it's why you can't really, Najee Harris would be getting love if, if Mac Jones was the starter at Alabama. But right, he's right. not exactly. because but that's not the Tua. And, you know, Etienne was yeah. first out of all the running backs last year in Heisman voting. So you're not off there. Um, right. My name, my name, and I said him earlier in the podcast. I could see a world where Adrian Martinez leads a, a, a blue blood like Nebraska back to ten wins for the first time in probably since Tom Osborne. I don't know the last time they were good. Yeah. A, a hungry fan base. It'd be like, and because Adrian Martinez, I think, will put up good numbers. It's just a matter of how many wins can he collect and how much can he put the Huskers back on the map. If you're the quarterback that leads the Huskers back and puts up a ton of yards and points while you do it, I think he could be there. And I yeah. really actually like the way he plays. But you asked me who like I'm picking. Pick. I like that pick. I'm pretty sure he's high in the Vegas odds too. Is he? I'm going to start pulling those up right now on my phone. I, I, I'm fairly sure. Um, hold on. Give me one sec. I'll look it up. I'll, I'll get our uh, I'll get our uh, intern, Skyler, to look that up. Oh, damn. Quick. No, get he's fifth. On that. He's fifth. Is that even yeah. a <laughs> Yeah, he's pretty high up there. So I didn't even realize um, I had no idea he'd be fifth. I'm actually shocked but no, right there's, now. There's so many guys like Martinez, Fields, Hertz, Fromm, who are just going to go out there and try and prove themselves basically week to week. Uh, and we won't really have a good idea of okay, he actually worked out, he wasn't that great. Shea Patterson's another guy we just talked about. Um, you know, Ian Book. Ian Book led Notre Dame to a playoff last year. Yeah. He's coming back. Like, there's, you know, it's these guys that, and we're forgetting QBU. Call it what you will. QBU is USC, period. That, that's cut and dry. That's how I view it. Uh, JT Daniels and USC, you know, they've got that pedigree. They've got that Heisman pedigree at quarterback. And if JT Daniels goes off and has a great season, why not put him in New York? Nobody wins Heismans like Notre Dame and USC. That's that's true. That's right. the truth. And nobody chokes. Who are you? Who are, like who are you picking though? Who All are right. you actually picking? Uh, so this is. I hate doing this, but this is going to come with a qualifier from me. Um, I like what you said about Alabama is going to try and win two of the Heisman. Uh, and I think the way I think what we may differ in that is what you may be thinking, or others may be thinking when you say that is, oh, they're just going to throw the ball a million times a game. I think it's going to go a lot more in the other direction. I don't know if Tua's going to throw as many passes this year as he, as he did last year um, based on the fact that you and I both know Sarkeesian loves to run the football. He said it uh, at Alabama's um, media day the other day, um, or a couple of weeks ago, I should say. Priority number one is running the football. When you've got a guy like Najee Harris who can open up 
the passing lanes because they're so worried about the run and stacking the box. Guys like Tua who can hit those slant routes, get eight or nine yards and just nickel and dime it down the field, or alternatively go over the top with a play action and hit a bomb, which we know Tua can do, uh, you know, I, I, I agree with you. I think that Alabama is going to make a push to get Tua the Heisman based on the fact that they're going to love running the football a little bit more this year than they did last year. Um, so my vote right now is Tua. That's if he can stay healthy, and that's my qualifier. Um, and that's a big if. Uh, you, you go back to Tua as far as we've known. He's been injured for a, a good amount of time. He was injured before last season. He got injured in the Missouri game, the Mississippi State game. He was out for a bit against LSU. Uh, he was limping against Auburn. He got hurt against Georgia. Uh, he was fine during the playoffs. Just didn't play great in the national championship. Had one of the greatest bowl games in the history of bowl games, which goes back a very long time. Um, the most efficient passer rating in bowl game history. Uh, and had one of the best lights-out performances you would ever see from a quarterback uh, at Alabama. Uh, but then he got hurt in the offseason again, pulled a hamstring. You know, and it wasn't, it wasn't a great big deal, and all these things happened, and the press you know, lost their minds and everything. You're closer, and you've got your uh, ear, on that, uh, ear on that sort of grindstone a little bit more. I don't even think that's the phrase, but you, know, you get what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, but he's constantly injured. Something is always wrong with Tua. So if he can stay healthy, that's his award to lose. I think he slings the ball and sees the field better than Trevor Lawrence. I'll go to my grave saying that. Um, but I think where Trevor is not necessarily better but has the edge is the fact that he's more durable. He was hurt one game last year, and if you saw the hit, I don't know a quarterback in the country that wouldn't be hurt from that. You know, Tua hurt himself sliding by himself last year. You know, one of them was a freak accident against Georgia. He did get stepped on by his lineman, and that sucks. But again, at the same time, he's always injured. So if Tua can stay healthy, that's my vote. If he can't, if he gets injured midway through the season, you know, against Duke, if he gets injured against Georgia again, whenever it happens, if it happens, Trevor Lawrence is going to win this Heisman Trophy. I, I like to brag that last October, I was saying that Trevor Lawrence was going to win this year's Heisman. This was before Trevor Lawrence was godlike status. This was before he was Superman for college football. This is before, obviously, before what he did against Alabama. And it's what came during a time where everybody was assuming Tua was going to be the 2018 winner. Um, but I still yeah. even, I still right now, I stick by Trevor Lawrence. As many yards and as many touchdowns as I think that Tua is going to throw this year, I think Trevor's going to throw a similar amount. Um, I don't trust Tua to stay healthy. I just don't. I really don't. Yeah. I really think he's going to have another banged up year, if I had to guess. I just think he will. I don't trust him to stay healthy. That's another reason I'm picking Trevor. Um, who are the voters going to vote for? I think they're going to rather vote for Trevor. Um, yeah, I agree with that. I, I think you vote for the guy who won the national With the long hair, the sunshine, the, the you know, I think votes will, I think the way he played against Alabama last year will affect voting. If it came down to those two, people are going to keep that in the back of their mind. They're going to have similar seasons. They're both going to throw for 40-plus touchdowns and 4,000-plus yards. And, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll argue that certain players didn't play in the fourth quarter of certain games. And we'll, we'll argue semantics. But after the semantics are over, I think that the, there's going to be... 
I'm not saying it's a wrong bias, but I think there will be a bias that kind of leans in Trevor Lawrence's favor for many reasons. Plus, he's just the new golden boy of college football. In my opinion, he's... Ooh, I wonder what it would look like if he had the same receiving core that Alabama does. I mean, he's got Higgins and Ross. It's not bad. It's very, very good. It's the second I, best in the country. In, in my opinion, Trevor Lawrence... I mean, I, I still... I think Trevor Lawrence is the next... The next. The the next guy. Quarterback. NFL. Not Kyle. I mean, I'm saying Trevor Lawrence is the next... He's in... in Seven years from now, Trevor Lawrence is the highest paid player in, in football kind of guy. So, you know, Pat okay. Mahomes and Trevor Lawrence Here's, are running college football or NFL, sorry, for the next 15 years. I think true. I mean, I think too, me, whatever. That's, we don't need to talk about two in the NFL. I think he'll be good too, but I think I'm picking here's, Lawrence. Here's one more thing that I'll say, okay? Uh, you're, you're going with Lawrence then? Yes. Okay. Here's one last thing that I'll say. In the event that, I, well, let me just say it. I think Trevor Lawrence has a smaller room for error. I, I think he has a smaller margin for error because of the schedule. Because that's a double-edged sword. If Tua comes out and has a tough game against LSU, LSU's going to have a top-10 defense. If he has a tough game on the road in College Station, that's a hostile environment. If Trevor Lawrence goes out and plays like crap against a NC State, against a Wake Forest, against a... Uh, Syracuse on the road, he has a less margin for error. He has a smaller margin for error than Tua does um, just because of the schedule. So, again, if he comes out and throws three picks against Syracuse and Tua throws three picks in the months of October and November, you know, to me, and their numbers are similar, that's your edge. Um, So Mm -hmm. I I think Tua, because of his schedule, has a little bit of a nod there, but it's all going to depend on whether or not he can stay healthy. I'd see if I think if there's anything I know we're keep saying real quick and then keep getting deeper into it, but um Yeah, right. <laughs> well it's it's our podcast. It's our podcast. I don't if there's anything I think I learned last year is that it it's not about the schedule. It's not about you we argue semantics mm-hmm. and then at the end the people that actually have power over this that vote just vote based on this unwritten criteria. Right? because if we were arguing schedule two a wins last year, easy. But people don't. It's just the numbers that you see on the thing and what they've done over the last maybe two or three weeks. I really fully believe that. I really fully believe yeah. that it's just, yeah, if, you know, Trevor could go have a bad. I don't, by the way, I don't think either quarterback is going to go out and have a quote unquote bad game. Um, but to get I into that, I don't anticipate that. If, if Trevor has a bad game against a Wake Forest, one touchdown, two interceptions, but they still win by 20. Don't think that matters. And to that point, I think that more people are sitting and waiting with their finger on to just dying to hit the Tua sucks button than the Trevor Lawrence sucks button. A two interception game from yes. Tua hurts him a whole lot worse than Lawrence because people are waiting to. So many people I, want to say he sucks because he he dominated see, college football. People are tired of Tua. He's he's old news. Right? There's fatigue with Tua. He was the golden boy last year. People are tired of him. They want to say he sucks. Every, I'm telling you, people want to say he sucks. Nobody's trying to say that for Lawrence. People are enjoying exalting Lawrence right now. Just like last year with yeah. Tua. 
Tua's not that guy now. People are actually enjoying saying that Trevor Lawrence is the best thing. Tua people want to go, ah, he's not that good. I, it's Bama fatigue. We've seen it for a lot of years in a row now. And it's I think just, next year Trevor right will wrong. get the same. I understand I, it. Yeah. Trevor will get the same so. treatment next year when he's a junior and obviously going about to go to the yes. NFL. But for now, yes, he's not getting it. Okay. All right. So I'm going Tua if he can stay healthy. You are going Trevor Lawrence, and that's our Heisman. Brick, let's get into the nitty-gritty now, the details. Uh, our playoff picks, you can kind of maybe pick up on where we're going with this if you've listened to this episode to this point. Um, Brick, I'm going to go with mine. I'm going to name mine. Uh, my first three, I want you to name your first three, and then we're going to discuss the last one, the last team in, okay? I'm going Clemson, Bama, Michigan. You are going? Clemson, Bama, Michigan. Because we discussed Your Michigan, Ohio team. State. We both had Michigan winning. That's the, the important thing yes. to put out there. Yes. The last team, okay, you have UAB. Is... <laughs> and I've got Tulane, and that's where we're going. And that's, no. that's it. No. Uh, it, it came down to our Big 12 discussion. I'm. It did. I'm going for storybook. I'm going for Jalen Hurts getting into uh, the playoff with Oklahoma. I I will not be mad if that happens. I think that's going to be very good and fun for college football. I'm going to go with Texas. I, I think if Sam Ellinger goes out, beats Oklahoma, goes through the rest of the schedule, I think even if Texas has one loss, if they beat Oklahoma and Oklahoma then goes out and win, you know, rips off a bunch of wins, I think it's hard you don't put Texas – in that discussion, at least. A, a one-loss one Texas, if they beat Oklahoma, is in. They are. Yes. Yeah. Michigan yeah. Michigan uh, gets in with the beat, loss, they... too, in my mind. Michigan doesn't enter undefeated. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think, and you got to remember, Texas plays LSU as well. Yeah. So they'll, they'll have to go and beat LSU, who is going to have at least, I would say, at least an 8-9 win season, right? Oh, yeah, so, yeah. I mean, you yeah. know, we've got... We both, I think we did this last year too. I think we both had three of the same team in our playoff predictions and then one outlier. Um, and I, I can't for the life of me remember. If you remember, tweet us at PI underscore podcast. I cannot for the life of me remember who I picked last year. I know it was Clemson Bama. I think I may have put Georgia in there as well. Um, and then I don't remember who my last team was. But you and I had three of the same teams last year. So sorry if you're getting tired of this, but at the same time, I think these are three great options from us. Yeah. Um, uh, um, and, and, or, well, four. And then Oklahoma or Texas, I think it's a toss-up. And it's different because I know that you're supposed to put the four best teams in, but I don't know that that's what they've been doing. Um, if you ask me who the four best teams in college football this year, I go Clemson, Bama, slight drop-off, Georgia, and then either Ohio State, Michigan. Those are my best yeah. four but I can't put in both. I actually think I would put Oklahoma and Texas. You'll find this interesting. Um, I actually think Alabama has the shortest leash with the voters of anybody. I think they've got the shortest yeah. leash. I really do. It, I think the days of the they're not over, but it's the days of the the Bama kind of benefit of the doubt. I don't think they're going to be yeah. getting that as often anymore. Which you know, we'll make a lot of people happy. It'll make Alabama fans mad, but 
Yeah. You know, if no, they I, if I, they I if they don't beat after, Georgia after their performance in the national championship last year, I could see that. Right. At, even if they, even if they're undefeated and going up against Georgia, I could see a world where them losing that game to get to twelve and one would be cause to leave them out. Yeah. I think the days of just yeah. putting them in because it's Alabama with one loss are, are getting smaller. So, yeah. Um, with that said, I think they're I undefeated going into the playoff, along with Clemson. Okay. Uh, pick your national champion. <laughs> <laughs> oh, geez. I was hoping we wouldn't do this today. First, no, I'm doing this right now, and I'm, I'm going to double down. You can call me a homer if you want to, but it's worked out pretty well for me so far, right? In revenge games, Nick Saban has lost to one team. Is that correct? Yes. One team in revenge games and his tenure at Alabama. Can you name that team? LSU? Nope. Sorry, ask the question again. Ole Miss. Ole Miss, that's right. He lost... He lost to Ole Miss in both 14 and 15. In 15, he still won the national championship, by the way. Well, I said that LSU because he lost to LSU in 2010 and then again in the game of the century. Uh, you know what? That's true. That's true. You're right. So I'll take that. So it's happened twice. Granted, uh, both of those years where he lost the revenge game, he ended up winning the national championship, which is ironic, but we're not going to go into true. that. I'm going to take his track record in those games. Uh, nothing will ever erase 2009 Florida out of my mind or 2000 LSU in the national championship. 2011, excuse me. Um, he has a way of preparing players after they get especially embarrassed by a team uh, to go in and then completely dismantle and crush whoever they're playing. Um, let's call it what it is. They, they dominated... 2011 LSU in the national championship. They dominated Florida in the 2009 uh, SEC championship. And I think if these two teams meet again, barring some injuries, which could happen and could play a huge role in this, cough to it, cough, uh, you know, I, I, I think that Alabama pulls it out. But I think it's a toss-up. I don't think that there's one team where you can say definitively, oh, they are obviously the better side. I think Clemson and Bama are as neck and neck as we have ever seen two teams in college football that are head and shoulders above everybody else. Same point I was going to make. Um, yes, every single year on this podcast, we both picked Alabama. And I pick Alabama for the same reason that I essentially pick the Patriots every year because it's lazy and because it's easy and because it's probably true. Um, every but, year that we've done this podcast, Alabama has made the national championship, though. Right. Um. I actually don't, if I think about it sitting here now, I actually don't think I would pick Alabama next year for 2020. I don't think I would, knowing yeah. what I know about the teams that I know now. And I don't think Alabama will be number one, whatever. Um, but we're talking about 2019. Clemson and Alabama, if it's what we all think, you know, as a rematch, another national championship between the two, collision course to that game in New Orleans. Um, Clemson, I think... Stronger on offense, weaker on defense. And that's where they got Alabama the most last year. I know that Trevor Lawrence put up a lot of points. Um, but where they really got Alabama was on defense. And and, and that pass yes. rush that they had and how much they were able to 
you know, affect what Alabama's game plan was. They lost those three guys on the defensive line. Um, Clemson's at a point where they almost reload it. It's not going to be quite the same. I don't think Alabama's going to get rolled over like they did last year, and I don't think anybody would expect them to because Alabama's more motivated or should be more motivated. I guess I'm not in the locker room, but I would I would take Alabama in New Orleans, these two specific rosters, knowing what I know. It's the, it's, it's the least confident I've ever felt picking Alabama for a national championship on this podcast in our preview show. I agree. I but agree. I'm going there anyway. And you're yep. just, I'm just, as a, as a college football fan, if, if I had to take my money, if I had to take a $100 bill, a crisp 100 in my hand, and put it on any team's logo, I'm laying it on Alabama and walking out of the room. Yep. And, you know, I again, I know how much of homers we sound like right now, and you can say that. And honestly, I don't really care if anyone says that. Because, like I said, every year we've done this podcast, they have made it to the national championship. It's well, a little hard not to pick them at some point. And, uh, in 2020, you know, it's, it's, Clemson will walk in with a junior Trevor Lawrence and a junior Justin Ross and a junior Xavier Thomas and all these dudes that they have coming up. Um, while Alabama will be trying to decide between Mac Jones, Paul Tyson, and Talia Tungavailoa at quarterback. I probably, if we're being honest, will not be able to, in good conscience, pick Alabama next year. But we're not there yet. That's 365 I, I, I days from now. I'd agree. And a lot could happen. Trevor Lawrence could come out and forget how to throw a football. It's happened before in college football. There have been quarterbacks who have come out dominating the national championship in the next season falling apart. Or just dominated a game. Period. It looked like they were going to be, you know, like a Trevor Knight did. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, like it's it's happened before. And if, if we've learned anything, Brick, this is our favorite sport in the world. This is our favorite, or at least mine. I'm not going to speak for you. This is my favorite sport in the world. I don't think that there is a better thing in this world than college football. I think it is also the most unpredictable sport in America and potentially in the world. Um, I I don't know enough about cricket. I don't know enough about the British Premier League or the Bundesliga or any of that soccer stuff. But I don't know if there's another sport on this planet uh, where 18 to 22-year-olds, week to week, you just never know what they're going to do. We yeah. say it all the time. And we joke. They're unpredictable. It's completely how it is. So we could be horribly wrong. We could go over four on these playoff picks this year. Uh, you know, and uh, honestly, I think we'd be better for it because we'd have a hell of a story at the end of it. I like it. Um, you know, so, you, you there. There's reason for us to. Uh, I think that puts a wrap on our previews. By the way, I'm sort of I'm sort of starting our transition because I think there's reason now. Yes. We're, we're approaching two hours on this podcast, so we're going to uh, start talking it. about the immediate, the, daddy. the immediate future, right? There are games coming yep. up in six days. Well, actually, this episode will be posted tomorrow uh, because we're doing it at night, yep. and I so like to days. get it up at 8 a.m. Yep. So five days from now, we're going to be talking um, Miami, Florida, and Samford, Youngstown State. Yep. Uh, Miami, Florida. Uh, you know, that's a, that's a rivalry game. That's Samford. That's the battle for the old Seminole War Canoe in Orlando. Yes. Yeah. Um, it's uh, So who you got? Who are you taking? Are you taking Miami led by not Tate Martell? Or are you taking Florida led by Felipe Franks and Dan Mullen's giant khaki pants? I am taking a lot of Florida in this game. Um, 
Uh, well, on the docket, it says you've got Miami in a landslide. But yeah, you, know, you wrote you wrote that by the way. You wrote that by the way. I did write that. Um, I did. If Jaron Williams comes in and looks like a stud at quarterback, maybe not. But I think they all struggle. I think Miami kind of panics. I think Miami actually does put... I think we do see Tate Martell at quarterback in this game. I think that if things aren't going swimmingly in three possessions, they try something different. Um, maybe in a couple, maybe second half. I don't know. Um, Florida's going to be able to put up points in this game. Miami's defense, I believe, is going to take a good step back over the way they've been the last two years. Um, they're building their offense up, but it's not going to be there in week one of year one of Manny Diaz. So give me Dan Mullen. It's more of a home game for Florida uh, because Orlando is, is is essentially right by Gainesville. Um, so I like them. I like them in a 34 to 17 capacity. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I like Florida here. I think Felipe Franks has got something to prove. Um, I think his experience from last year will carry over quite well. I think Dan Mullen is actually getting Florida into a very competitive state. I'm going to take Florida here. I'm going to go 31-24, but I don't think it's going to be that close. I think it'll be like 31-14, and then Miami kicks a field goal and scores a late touchdown in garbage time. Um, and then it'll kind of seem like it was close, but really it wasn't that close. Uh, so again, I'm going to take Florida 31-24. Excellent. Well, there we go. We're um we're off that's and it. rolling for college football. Um, that's yep. our episode. That's our fun episode. That's the one we look forward to. So I'm glad we got to uh to do this together. When we come back next week, I, I know it. No, go ahead. I know it was a long one, but I I think it was good. I I think it was a good episode because this is there's a lot to unravel in college football this year. And again, I think it's going to be a very unpredictable year. Um, you know, I I think. A lot of people have Bama Clemson as this definite thing, and Tua and Trevor as this definite thing. Crazier things have happened, man. There, hey. There's no telling what these guys are going to do this year. You were right, and this episode is is usually almost always long. But uh, when we come back next week, we'll be in um, regular season mode. So we'll be, you know, talking about whatever news happened leading up. It'll next week up being opening weekend. Sorry, not next week, but the 31st, uh, leading up to opening weekend, Bama Duke, and you know uh, Auburn, Oregon, and. All those big games coming up week one, uh, we'll be discussing and uh, predicting those. So, you know, yep. there we go. Uh, and we'll go over sweethearts next week too. Yeah, uh, I guess we got sweethearts dis- this week. Discuss sweethearts, but uh, but that's that's pretty much it. That's pretty much it. And brick, uh, gonna be a fun one. It's going to be a fun episode, everybody, or fun season. So uh, thank you, everybody, yeah. for. Listening, you can find us on PI underscore podcast on Facebook at Pat's Interference. And however way you listen to this week's episode of Pat's Interference, we want to thank you for being a part of this journey that Norwood and I are on. Have a good week, buddy. I'll talk to you next week. Have a good one. Going to be a fun one.